Welcome back to the Line Podcast. My name is Aaron Alexander. This is a place that we bring together the world's leading experts in all things health and wellness to help you optimize your mind, body, and movement. Today's gorgeous conversation is with the bright, inspiring, incredibly talented Gabby Bernstein. Gabby's a number one New York Times bestselling author, which is great. She is a spiritual teacher, she is a speaker, and she is a really special human being that I'm grateful to get to share a conversation with you guys today. Her book that was the number one New York Times bestseller was Super Attractor. You may have heard of that guy. And then uh, her most recent book is Happy Days, The Guided Path for Trauma, From Trauma to Profound Freedom and Inner Peace. I read through this book and I uh, really enjoyed it. It went through a lot of fundamental practices and techniques and authors and teachers that I would recommend myself. And I'm certainly you know, not in any kind of teaching role with this stuff. I'm definitely in student role. But uh, a lot of the people that I've found to be supportive were mentioned in there and a lot of the techniques as well. So I think it's a great resource on uncovering some of the blind spots within your own psyche, your subconscious. And I think you guys are going to really dig it. I also want to thank you all for leaving reviews on Apple Podcasts. I want to read a review from this is CG Len 12. CG Len 12 says resistance training revolution exclamation point. So much value in resistance slash strength training definitely helps us respond better in today's modern society. I appreciate you, Aaron and Sal. Keep spreading the awareness around health and fitness. We need this information. So that was specifically in regard to the conversation with Sal that just went out last week. Really good, really important conversation. I think you guys dig that one as well. So thank you again for CGLEN12 for leaving a review. Just takes a second if you guys are inspired to do so. Hopefully you feel like it's worthy of a five-star review. Whatever you think is best, leave it to us. It helps support the podcast by letting the algorithm know that people are listening to this. It shares around more. Appreciate you. That's it. That's all. Back to the show with Gabby Bernstein. Pow. Um, so I really enjoyed your book. Thank you. It really felt like exactly what you need and without any fluff. I thought it was a really beautiful thing as well because I don't know if you know anything about my, my do like rolfing and various different like mm -hmm. somatic experiencing things. And so you mentioned Peter Levine in there and you're talking about his work. And then I was like, oh, I think Gabby would love Eugene Gendlin and Felt Sense. And literally like the next subheading was like mm -hmm. Felt Sense. I'm like, Gabby! <laughs> 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 so I appreciate it. I appreciate yeah. you creating stuff like that and bringing it into the world. I think it's such an important message for people to start to begin a, a more intimate conversation with their physical body as an opportunity to offer another strategy to not get out of the mind, but just offer another road into the into the self. Right. And to let the body in let the body lead in this instance, right? Let the body be part of the process. Yeah. Yeah. Where did those learnings happened for you? Has that been something that's been kind of like, duh, throughout your life? Or did you have teachers or where did this come from? Well, I share this journey in the book of Happy Days, this trauma recovery journey from being dissociated from experiences from my childhood and which led to addiction and led to a lot of uh, psychosomatic conditions as you've brought up. And I was for so many years just unaware of why, the why. And when I remembered my childhood trauma that I was dissociated from when I was I was 36 when I remembered, I 
had this major aha moment of like, oh, that's why I have TMJ. That's why I was a drug addict. That's why I have gastrointestinal issues. That's why I'm a workaholic. You know, just totally like this major aha of, oh, okay, that explains it. And it was in my trauma, my deep dive trauma recovery in the last, you know, since 2016 that I write about so intimately in this book that I was guided to many profoundly transformational therapeutic practices that I also believe are practices that are very rooted in spiritual conditioning and spiritual faith. That was also when I started to address the body. So it was the work of Dr. John Sarno, uh, Peter Levine, you mentioned Jenlin, you know, just just really getting into the body-based work was a humongous part of my recovery because I, I think that it's necessary. It's it's mandatory. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I, I think that something like somatic experiencing or doing like the the felt scent sense with I say Genlin, you say Genlin. Is it Genlin? It probably is Genlin. I've always know. just read it and I'm like, I think it's Genlin. I don't. Anyways, know. it doesn't matter. But in those experiences, like at times myself, if I'm feeling maybe really anxious or, you know, something, anxiety might be a thing. And it's like, feels like there's like this erupting volcanic sensation in my abdomen chest territory. And I'll want to like go out, call people or exercise or, you know, masturbate or something to like, you know, anything that's not being with myself. Mm -hmm. And then the opportunity or the invitation would be to sit and experience that and actually go deeper into that sensation and maybe explore, does it have a color? Does it have a, a texture? Does it have a shape? Does it have a sound? Is it? And I, I think that the experience that I've personally had with that is, is it can create a little bit of a distance between the sensation of this is the entirety of me and this is this experience that I'm kind of you know, it's, it's, I think it can be very helpful to create a little bit of space so you can kind of start to analyze and observe as opposed to being overwhelmed. Is that your Absolutely. experience? Absolutely. Yeah, I think that that being able to do the body-based work and touch into the body stuff, but how the body reacts to trauma is so empowering because it gives you this resource for self-regulation and practices for not just trying to get out, but to move through. And you know, a lot of times we're just wanting to get out of that pain, get out of that feeling, get out, get out, get out, get out, get out. But when we're letting ourselves be in the presence of the physical sensations and be curious about what's coming up in the body, then we can really begin to move the experience of moving through rather than pushing, pushing past or getting out. Yeah. And that's something you bring up in, in the book, Happy Days, is um, how much bravery it takes to allow yourself to allow those, those d- deeper sensations to, to surface. And then also within that, I think we can kind of put ourselves into like a double bind of the belief that I need to be brave, uh, but I also need to be resourced in order to feel safe enough to actually have the spaciousness or the container to organically be able to express that stuff. And that's, I've heard you share that that was kind of something that, can you kind of share your journey of unwinding? You had like a specific inciting acute trauma that seemed to continue to like perpetuate in your life. Can you kind of share that experience of getting to a point of being able to, to, I don't know, integrate that if that's the right language? Well, you said it, it's becoming safe enough to face the wounds. So when I said to my therapist, I said, why now? Why at 36 am I remembering this, right? She was able to say to me, because you're safe enough now, because of all the work that you've done, you're safe enough to face these experiences. So I think that we, I believe that our recovery, whatever it may be, recovery from trauma, recovery from from not getting the childhood upbringing that we deserved or that we needed, whatever it might be, 
it comes in the right space and time, especially if you're committed to your journey. You're going to be led, and it's a spiritual process, truly. And there's no accidents along the way. And so I felt that I was led to all kinds of different therapeutic processes and practices, but right when I was needing them. So I always think, I always say, you read it when you need it. <laughs> and or that maybe was you the, read it and you're able to see it when you, you know, you might read a thing and it's, it's right there in front of you, but you're not, you don't have the, um, the tools to be able to pick it up. I feel like you're often not even guided to go deeper with something unless you're ready for it, right? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, somebody might be guided to this podcast and think, oh, wow, like I need this book now. And if they're listening to us and they're not ready for it, then they won't pick up this book. Maybe they'll pick up a different book of mine, but then come back to this one when they're ready. Yeah. Uh, something that I, I think can be common in the world of like, I don't know, like, like spirituality and such is, or, you know, people like doing the work. You know, I had Byron Katie on here a couple of times and I like, I've just so greatly value and appreciate her because she's like the queen of the work, but she's also so darn playful mm. and she's just so light. And we like did acro yoga together and she's like mm -hmm. 80 some years old and getting flipped around upside mm -hmm. down and like, she's do totally down to, to celebrate. Yeah. And I think that that's, it can be kind of like nauseating sometimes being around people that are, are and this is probably my own judgment or projection, but when it's like so much about the work. Yes. And I think that there can be this endless well of the work, you know, and then, you know, we die and we missed out on like the joy of life. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Have, have you ever had any or noticed that or had that experience with yourself or is that something that resonates in any way? Yeah, I think there was times in my life when I was in a, in seasons of deep, deep work and then seasons of 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 in work. When we reference work, we're talking about therapeutic work. Yeah. Uh, and I think my most of my life, I've been in this pursuit of feeling good and feeling better. But the nice thing is, is that as a result of having that commitment to that work, I can now be in play. Uh, but I want to really acknowledge what you said, which is that even in the midst of all that work, you can have fun. You can have fun along the way. Mm -hmm. You can you can be in joy along the way. You can celebrate along the way. What are your tr triggers? More more words. I always tend to use quotations around words that are, seem to get thrown around a lot. But what are yeah tr triggers or things that do you notice reiterations of similar sensations of the past of like, oh, like this thing still gets me? Or do you feel like you've completely resolved, cleared some of maybe like the neuroses of the past? Does that make sense? I can. Oh, yeah. Explain. Oh, yeah. No, in the book, I write, I write, as you know, I write so much about what triggers us and what our reactions and responses are. And in the book, I talk about internal family systems therapy, IFS. And the more IFS I practice, and I'm now studying, studying training IFS and doing the training in IFS, um, the more I identify what IFS would refer to as our parts, the different parts of us. Mm. And so now it's not so much about seeing the triggers, but witnessing these parts of me that might be in a protector zone, right? So I have a different relationship to those triggers now. And I can see, oh, okay, when things are out of control, my controlling protector part comes up and she talks like this and she does this. And, and so I've allowed those parts to not disappear, but just be less extreme. Mm -hmm. And that's the miracle, truly. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I was in a, a class at one point and, and one of the teachers mentioned uh, never wasting a trigger. And I thought that was just so nice. cool. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. You know, so it's, it's like, because so much of maybe the entirety of everything is the stories that we tell ourselves, you know? And so if we can start to reframe things to being like, oh, like I'm actually... I'm not, not, not only am I not avoidant of 
things that make me uncomfortable, but I'm actually seeking it out. You know, like if there's a monster under the bed, my operating system is, oh, like, please show me the monster. Mm. And then it, and I, and I think that that's something that, I mean, that happens in maybe, have you used psychedelics? Is that something you've, you've, you know, with? I've been sober for 16 years, so I am, and I know a lot of sober people are the people that do do use psychedelics, but for me, I have found that that's not a path for me. Mm-hmm. And I, I, maybe it's not even so much about my sobriety as it is just that that, that was never even my drug of choice. <laughs> so it was so truly just freaked me out. Sure. So the answer is no, but it, I know that it has been greatly supportive for folks for sure. Yeah. yeah. What do you, how do you think your experience was, was cocaine your drug of choice? Cocaine and alcohol? Yes, sir. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How do you feel? I'd imagine my, my guess is you probably have some form of like gratitude for those experiences or maybe complete gratitude for those experiences. A hundred percent. Yeah, totally. You know, talking back about the parts, like in IFS, we have this, it's a system that believes that we have all these different parts of ourselves and there's parts of us that are exiled, like the little children that are, you know, so insecure and they're just, we don't want to touch those guys. We want to just lock them up. And then we've got these protector parts. And sometimes, in fact, the addict you know, my part that was the addict, the cocaine addict, was a protector part. And while she was extreme and while she had a lot of drama in her life and was very detrimental to my physical body and to the safety of others at times, she did have a role and she did the best she could at that time to manage my system, to keep me safe, to help me feel, you know, to help me get through. And so while she's not in that extreme role anymore, I have a lot of gratitude for her. Mm-hmm. Do you still have contact with her like communication with her or is that even a a, a reasonable way to oh yeah i mean it? i think you can definitely stay in communication with your parts from past experiences but i don't that addiction addictive part is very distant for me like i don't see her show up much anymore because i've helped her get out of that extreme role so she went from drug addiction to you know she went from love addiction to drug addiction to to work addiction you know but it's been it's been enough recovery behind me to really not identify with the addict part anymore. She's still still there, and I think that you know being in twelve step and having a sponsor and and staying close to my sponsee helps me remember because you never want to forget where you were, but yeah. I don't have to identify with that part of me anymore as something that has power over me or. And that's how, that might sound scary to somebody who's a recovering addict that's listening because a lot of the 12-step work is like, you know, never forget, right? Don't, you know, don't, like, don't wish to shut the door on it, right? And I think that's where my ability to witness that part and just say, okay, you had a really important role, but now you're no longer in your extreme role yeah. is valuable. Yeah. Do you feel like you have a, in relation to like the parts, like something I've experienced is, especially during like breath work things, that's the time that. I'll notice these pretty like visceral sensations of what seems to be, I don't know, it's like communication with like little boy Aaron. Mm. And I usually cry. Like it's Mm -hmm. just like this sensation of, I don't know, like combination, like gratitude, appreciation. I just feel like little, little, little Aaron like tried so hard, you know, and Mm. it's like this, this like deep compassion for that boy. Mm. And I think sometimes with maybe myself and maybe you know other people, maybe yourself, I think there's like, we can stop growing at a certain point. There could be some type of maybe again, like trauma or something that caused that part of ourselves to contract and kind of pull out of like the life game. And then we pack 
around that and we keep on building and maybe we get strong and maybe we get money and we get cars and girlfriends or boyfriends. But that point kind of had a had a freeze. Yes. Do you f- feel like there's any freezes in your path or do you feel like you're pretty well completely free? So I lived with a lot of frozen parts for many years. I even diso- I mean, dissociated memories is like one of the most obvious frozen parts, right? Like literally frozen in time. Mm-hmm. And in the book, I write about some of my experiences of almost like soul retrievals, as if these parts were returned to me in my in my therapy or in my meditation or in my in my personal growth. And the more that we become safe in our physical body and in our nervous system and the safer we become with the experiences of our past, the more we can reclaim those fragmented parts of ourselves. And so my experience has been that I have a very deep relationship now with little Gabby, who I reference in the book, and I'm there for her all the time. And I'm always noticing her and knowing what she needs and asking her what she needs in the moment and establishing and developing that relationship with her and letting her know that she has a higher self that she can turn to has helped her come back online. And that playfulness and that silliness and that joy that she deserved to have, but that was cut off, can be celebrated and enjoyed today because she's safe to be with me. That's so beautiful. I guess within that, like, as far as something that people can, I mean, I think that that whole thing is really therapeutic just to hear. Uh, but for someone that's maybe, this is like novel or like, okay, like little, you know, little Mike in New Jersey <laughs> listening. It's like, I never really thought about this little Mike stuff. How does a person start to begin a, a journey of starting to defragment? Read the book. <laughs> so it's so funny when you do these interviews about your book, because like the questions are always answered inside the pages. And the whole book, even from the very start, begins to help the reader very gently look more closely at the patterns in their life and the ways that those patterns may be protecting unresolved experiences from particularly childhood. And so if someone's like, well, I've never even contemplated that anything was wrong in my past, this book will be a really gentle guide to help you look a little bit more closely at the ways that your past has been programming your present. And offer you a lot of in real time guidance and suggested guidance for how to undo some of those unresolved disturbances from the past that might keep you stuck in patterns that you don't want to be in as an adult. And so you may not know yet that you have a relationship with a little part of yourself, or you may not know yet that there's lots of different parts of you and may not think that you have trauma and you may not think that that there's anything wrong, but you just have a sense that things could be better or you're struggling with anxiety or you're depressed at times or you have lack motivation or you have a lot of gastrointestinal issues or headaches or insomnia and your body or your life experience is screaming help, but you don't know that there's anything to help. You don't know how to get there, but you're willing to feel better. Then this is your book. I'm going to take a moment and discuss the value of cold thermogenesis, i.e. taking that sweet, supple, sweaty body of yours and dropping it into a barrel of ice 
Ice Barrel is our sponsor this week, and I'm a big fan of these guys. I have one sitting on my porch right now. It's vertical, so you don't have to do like the horizontal thing where it takes up just a ton of space. I have it fitting on my, my I have a pretty small-ish porch here in Austin, Texas, and it's incredibly beautiful to look at, and the benefits of getting into cold water with regularity include boosting your mood, include boosting alertness and cognitive function by the release of norepinephrine, and so many things. Really helpful with your immune system. In fact, Wim Hof did some research where he actually infected himself and various different subjects with E. coli and just through breathing techniques and cold exposure, they were able to reverse the effects of E. coli, which is pretty darn ridiculous. I've been doing this for, like I've mentioned, years. It's one of my most potent tools, uh, amazing for inflammation, and uh, I think you guys are going to dig it. So you can get yourself $125 off your order right now by going to icebarrel.com slash align. Use the align code for $125 off. This is already the most affordable cold plunge on the market as far as I know and it's absolutely beautiful super efficient and I think you guys can really dig it so jump over to icebarrel.com forward slash align for $125 off if it does not improve your life immediately you don't love it you don't think it's beautiful the way that I do then you can get your money back so a 30-day money-back guarantee absolutely nothing to lose and they will ship within one to five days that's huge there's a lot of cold plunges that take weeks and weeks to get ships within one to five days icebarrel dot com forward slash line ice barrel spelled i-c-e-b-a-r-r-e-l dot com forward slash align enjoy lastly i want to thank magnesium for supporting my muscular regeneration uh, my relaxation my sleep it's been one of the most important supplements for me uh, over the years I've, i take magnesium before i go to bed every night and magnesium that i choose is from mag breakthrough from bio optimizers i really love this stuff um, i trust the sourcing i know the owner personally and i think it's as good as it gets when it comes to magnesium and uh, it's got all seven different forms of magnesium magnesium is widely deficient in modern Americans because it's deficient in modern day soil. So it's one of those things that you're probably deficient and it would be supportive for your sleep and muscular repair and regeneration. And you can get yourself a sweet discount by going over to magbreakthrough.com forward slash align podcast. That's M-A-G-B-R-E-A-K-T-H-R-O-U-G-H.com forward slash align podcast for a 10% discount on your purchase, 100% money back guarantee. If this does not improve your sleep, if it does not make your muscles feel more relaxed, if it's not helpful with muscular repair after training, any of that stuff, get your money back. You got absolutely nothing to lose. Jump over to magbreakthrough.com forward slash align podcast to get some magnesium in your life. Do you see the matrix? Most recent one? No. Oh man. Are you a fan of the matrix? Gotta be. You know, maybe, maybe <laughs> I should be. Maybe I should be, Aaron. Okay. Well, no should. <laughs> no, there's some things in life that you can suggest as a should. Like you should yeah. watch that show. That's I think an okay thing. I think you'd like it. Oh my God. My kitten is so funny right now. She's freaking out. Go on. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, I love, I love that you've got the, the, the self-soothing kitten. That's an interesting, so I'll, I'll talk about the, the matrix, but also I think it's humans the footnote matrix, but I think humans are so beautiful when you do start to observe self-soothing patterns that mm. we do throughout the day, like having a conversation mm -hmm. with somebody and something as simple as like them just crossing their arms. Mm -hmm. 
It's funny, my son and I have a very similar self-soothing thing that my husband pointed out. When we lie down to go to sleep, we both, my son and I, we rub our feet together. Like I rub my, not with his, but I rub my feet together. And then I noticed like my three-year-old does the same thing. It's so funny. Yeah. We're just a bunch of kids wearing adult costumes. I didn't make that up, but I've heard that. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. You know, it's such an interesting thing. We we, we have these veneers, you know, that, and it becomes easier to to pack on a veneer as you get, especially if you have money, you know, because then it's just opens up the world of different type of insulation that you can kind of pack yourself with. But behind all that, it's, I think it's just such a beautiful thing to see people's little, like the little self-soothing things are the things that really, really get me, you know, mm. or people's like little discomforts or little, like those little bits. I just think it's such a beautiful thing because you really see that, like, you know, that, that deeper child self. But the Matrix, what I like about it, and I think you would enjoy as well, is a lot of the, you know, like Neo in it, a lot of, a lot of people, Neo particularly, he would have like these sleepless nights and he'd have this like deep insatiable urge to, I'm probably misrepresenting it, but generally speaking, this deep insatiable urge for like, there's like something more, there's like something he's mm-hmm. itching at and something he's scratching at, mm-hmm. but he doesn't know exactly what it is. And he keeps living this ordinary life, but there's this like, there's like this, this like turning thing inside of him. And I think that's all of us. Mm-hmm. You know, but it, it's like it can be fucking terrifying to open yourself up to that, you know, whatever the heck that little like turning nucleus thing is inside of us. And I think that, you know, life is pr- maybe like a process of, I don't know, taking down the layers to allow that truth to come out. Does that just 100%. sound like some? What, what you oh, I, I agree with you. I think that life is a. It's, it's, I always say that the world is our classroom, people are our assignments. We're always in this. I believe we're here on a journey of undoing fear and remembering love. So we're consistently peeling back the layers of who we thought we should be, the layers of protection, the layers of trauma, fear, the blocks to the presence of who we really are, which is that innocence, that childlike part, you know, the the joyful, innocent person that you were when you were born. Yeah. What are you excited about these days? What like lights you up? What like what turns on that? childlike spontaneity. Oh, cool question. Wow. I'm excited to go on vacation for the first time in two years. I haven't been on a plane in two years. So in a week or so, I'm going to um, a vacation with my husband and then two other couples. And they're my two best girlfriends, two of my best girlfriends and their husbands. And no Omicron is holding me back. (laughs) I'm, I'm like fully in like I'm a golden protection of light to get on that plane. And I want to sit at the beach with some, you know, f- fake, fake mojito or something, you know, nice. and just like, and just, and just do my mocktails and just be in the shade and just enjoy doing nothing in warm weather and being with my girls and my husband and just relaxing and checking out for a moment. I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to being live on stage again. My, uh, one of the most heartbreaking things for me personally, and I want to acknowledge that this is a luxury problem, but is that, you know, when COVID happened, my stage was taken away. So I've done like 10x more talks in the last two years, but they've all been on Zoom and it's heartbreaking. So I really, really miss the live experience. And for me, when I'm on stage is when I'm the most connected to God. It's when I'm the most aligned. It's when God is using me most. Mm -hmm. And so that can sound heady to somebody, but 
it's the truth. You know, it's my, it's my medicine. It's my art. Speaking publicly is my art. And so imagine your art being taken from you. So I'm, you know, going to do some live online events. I have a, some events coming up in March that, you know, it's a little bit weird and squeaky because I haven't been on stage in so long. So I don't even really know what I will, what, what it will feel like, but I trust my I trust my process and yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. That thing, I think, I feel like doing something that makes like for me, any type of public, you've done significantly more public speaking stuff than, than I have, but anytime I'm doing something like that, I'm, I'm like totally terrified. And then there's a similar sensation of that. Like it feels like when it works, it feels like I, you know, like small I gets out of the way. Yeah. And yeah, there's so- some, there's something really I don't know, therapeutic, healing, spiritual, something about that. Like to be able to encapsulate that for the masses, you know, I think some, everyone having that thing, I think is incredibly therapeutic. I have an extraordinarily selfish career path. You know, I write my books. I've written nine books in 11 years and I wrote them all for myself. And I had had this secondary goal and desire, which is to have them serve my reader. But first they had to serve me because I needed to write from my own transformation in order for the book to transform someone else. So that's been, you know, incredibly healing and joyful and therapeutic. And the same goes for being a motivational speaker, because to your point, when you get out of the way and you let spirit speak through you and you become a channel for inspiration to be coming through you in the service of others, there's no greater feeling in the world. And so when I write my books, I'm channeling and when I'm speaking, I'm channeling and I'm channeling and I'm, and I'm reaping the benefits, right? So I am borrowing the benefits of the transmission. So I'm feeling that shift within myself while at the same time extending that energy to others. And what others are being healed by is not my energy or my words. It's the remembrance and the recollection of their own truth, their own connection to source or spirit or God or whatever they call it. Mm. So when you're in the presence of someone, like if you're in the presence of a transformational, beautiful musician that's channeling the music and you're brought to tears, it's not them, it's their connection to God that's reminding you of yours. Yeah. That's like love, right? Like like mm-hmm. being in love with someone, you are, uh, they're catalyzing that remembrance inside of you and you can become mm-hmm. confused in the belief that like they are the love and I, you know, I'm, I, I can't find the sensation without this person, but in fact, they're just kind of, you know, the right recipe for you to open that, that sensation up and in your, inside of, inside of yourself. Yeah. I've, I think. I I, I, well, I, I have a lot of opinions about that. So I think that absolutely falling in love is a cracking open and it's, it gives you this, this heart opening feeling and it in many ways is, is helping you s- feeling that attachment can help you feel safe. Mm-hmm. And in that sense of safety, you can feel a connection to what you might call a higher power, but it's, we have to be cautious not to make that partner the higher power. Yeah. Yeah. Love's terrifying for me. Mm, okay 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 (laughs) how's it been for you is that something has that been an easy easy access point well i write about attachment styles in the book yeah and for many years i lived with what's called insecure insecure attachment which is you grew up with you know sometimes your part your parent was there and sometimes they weren't there and just sort of like this lack of steadiness and this insecurity and and i actually it's really boiled down to anxious attachment style, which is the one that I believe that I've identified with. And so that anxiously attached person for many years was very codependent, didn't feel safe without a partner, was constantly seeking, you know, and and, and I and as you read the book, you're going to understand your attachment style better and how it represents itself in relationships. 
relationships. But as I've healed myself and become more and more steady in my own nervous system, the anxious attachment style needs have been resolved, but not just because of my recovery. And this is a radical shift that I've had very recently, Erin, that you'll be thrilled to hear. For years, I would teach people and I'd even say to myself, like, you can't let another person be your source of safety. And I believe that from a spiritual perspective, we have to have that sense of safety within ourselves and we have to have that sense of safety, you know, in a higher power. But recently in my deepening of my studying of the attachment theory, it actually is really important for us to have attachment in life. Because when we have that kind of attachment, particularly to a romantic partner, we feel more free in the world. And so because I have a secure attachment with my husband, even though we have our own styles that play out, but because we have such a secure attachment for since 2007, we've been together a long time, we both have this ability to freely create in the world, to be childlike, to have fun, to feel, to write nine books in 11 years. I, I really thank him for that in so many ways because of the stability and the security that even if we're having a balls out fight, neither of us are leaving. And so I've come to learn that attachment in the human condition is a very important thing. And it can come in a lot of forms. It can come with friendship. It can come with family members. It can come with lovers. It can come with pets. But it's important. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, I, I completely agree. And then you have to. I think a lot of those ideas of of sovereignty and autonomy, and you know, finding love within yourself, and just locking yourself inside of a room, and just like finding the joy. There's there's value there, and it can also lead to a very like disconnected, closed off, lonely existence. If mm. that's your operating system, like that's what you need to find and, and not being available because you have, I think a person has to come back and define what is self, right. like what am I? Well, that, what you just described would be considered more of an avoidant attachment style. Mm. Like the kid that grew up with parents that did not have their needs met and they grew up with the belief system that nobody else can help me. And so as an adult, they're like totally just run for the hills when somebody gets clingy or needy, you know, that they like the beginning stages of the relationship, but not to get too close. They want, they really value their independence above all else. And, you know, just will avoid intimacy and vulnerability. And in fact, like turned off by it and very self-reliant. Do you see your own patterns of intimacy reflect that of your, your parents' relationship? Well, I think all of us will in some way. I think that our parents taught us the patterns of behavior that often dictate how we will react in life. So maybe we resemble them, or maybe we go to the opposite direction, or maybe we just act in a certain way because we didn't get our needs met. So I think it's all of the above. And, you know, I, I thank my parents and the acknowledgments of this book because you could read the book and be like, you know, wanting to blame parent, my parents for some of the things I've lived through. And because you're like, oh, well, she talks a lot about feeling unloved and, you know, just feeling neglected and, you know, but. I thank my parents at the top of the acknowledgments because I wouldn't be who I am today if it weren't for everything I experienced. And my parents, just like me, you know, have had had their own traumatic wounds that they had unresolved. And so when we start to do our own recovery, the first point of attack is going to be our parents, you know, like, how did you let this happen to me? Or how could, you know, whatever. And the truth is, is that we have to come at it from a place of recognizing, and, and that will come up. I mean, you got to go through that. You can't override that, right? You know, you have to go through the, the, the anger and the rage and all of the things that come up. Yeah. But you also want to hopefully come through the other side and just say, okay, well, if this was my experience with them, I can't even imagine what theirs might have been, right? 
And I now am lucky enough to have the resources to to do the work to to come out the other side. But maybe they couldn't or haven't. Yeah. And that's just a different way to look at our family members. Yeah, I like I like the idea that your your parents, they I mean, I don't think this is an idea. I think this is just like an absolute truth, I think. So maybe it's not absolute, I think. But they're expressing and performing and, you know, parenting the only possible way that they can. The only way they can. Yeah. And you can hold people accountable for growth and for for trying to be better, but not if they don't want it or not if they're not ready for it, not if they're not capable of acknowledging, because sometimes people aren't even capable of acknowledging that there's anything to change. Yeah. And so then within that, do, do you, I wonder your sensation or feeling or belief around how much free will we have. Have you ever thought about that? All the, all the time. Yeah. I mean, I think that we all have two choices in this lifetime. We have the choice to numb out or we have the choice to wake up and to get closer to consciousness. And we, anyone listening to this podcast and following you or following me is obviously in some way set even a molecule of intention to wake up and doesn't mean that they're not still numbing out in ways or that we're not still numbing out in ways, but we're in the pursuit of waking up. And what does waking up look like? I'm waking up is like, is, is connecting to a higher power of your own understanding and establishing a baseline of joy and cleaning up whatever wreckage from your past may be in the way of the presence of that joy within you. I want to take a moment and share one of my favorite traditions for winding down at night. I make a little Organifi Gold Coconut Milk Latte before I go to bed. It is so freaking delicious. I heat up some coconut milk. You could use whatever, macadamia nut milk, almond milk, whatever you're into. Get me against raw milk, that'd be nice. And then I'll put some of Organifi's Gold Rest and Relaxation Blend in there. It has a delicious blend of adaptogenic mushrooms, including turkey tail and reishi. It also has a blend for digestion, so it's great post-dinner. Tastes absolutely delicious. It's one of my favorite things to share with another person or just have for myself. And uh, you can get yourself a sweet discount or Organifi Gold Rest and Relaxation Blend by going to Organifi.com forward slash align. That is Organifi, O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com forward slash align. 20% discount. If you do not absolutely love this stuff, they have 100% money back guarantee. So if it doesn't make you sleep better, if you don't think it's amazing and delicious, you don't want to share it with a friend, get your money back. So you got nothing to lose. Organifi.com forward slash align. 20% off. Pow. I want to share one of my favorite supplements that I have stumbled upon for my sleep. That is Neurohacker's Nighttime Formula. This stuff, no joke, it's completely transformed the way that I dream. It's as though my dreams, it's like I'm living some novel. And uh, I mean, it's it's wild. It's not like something I had expected. And it's helpful with helping me to fall asleep quickly. Uh, it's packed with 20 odd different research-backed ingredients, including magnesium, reishi mushrooms, ashwagandha, hawthorn, saffron and it's fantastic. I think you guys really dig it. And you can try it with a 65% discount, which is absolutely insane. Just jump over to neurohacker.com. That's spelled N-E-U-R-O-H-A-C-K-E-R.com. And if you're a first-time purchaser, you'll get 15% off. And then you use the Align code at checkout for an additional 15% off. If you are not absolutely impressed and bedazzled by the quality of this product, they have a 100-day money-back guarantee. I know you guys are going to absolutely dig it. I, Like I said, I've been completely surprised and impressed with all the products from Neurohacker. So I'm just so excited to be able to share it with you guys. So jump over to neurohacker.com, N-E-U-R-H-A-C-K-E-R.com for 50% off and then use a line code for an additional 
15% off. If you don't love it, get your money back. Change your sleep up. I hope you guys enjoy. Yeah. What about shame? Is that, do you have any kind of shame that's still lingering? Well, in the book, I have an entire chapter about shame. And I talk about how I didn't even know I had shame until, and I had been like a spiritual teacher for nearly a decade before I even recognized my shame. And that's the truth, you know? And I didn't even know I had shame until I was leading a workshop with two other facilitators. And I was in the class while another teacher was teaching and I was in the audience and I had to do this exercise on shame. And I was faced with my shame for the first time at probably what was like 38 years old or something, you know, and like, because shame is the most impermissible feeling and emotion. Yeah. And we'll do, and and in the book, I talk about the different ways that shame can show up for us. So it can show up in ways that can be really detrimental in relationships and really detrimental to our nervous system. And so uh, it's it's a big topic I tackle in this book. And it's an important topic because, look, I wouldn't challenge someone to face their shame until they've done some deeper work because shame can sometimes be the one of the final frontiers in the journey to really face the shame because the shame is often the backbone of why we act the way we do yeah do you think that there's obviously you don't know what you don't know but do you have any sense of is there anything you're working on right now that you're like oh this is a thing this is a recurrent situation mm-hmm Mm-hmm. There's some things I'm working on in my therapy that are that are I would like to use the word melting. Mm. Mentionable, not so much. There's a few things in my life that are unsaid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Not much, Aaron. You might be the first to ask me a question I didn't answer. That was pretty major. <laughs> yeah. Major. I get that. But listen, when 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 you experience trauma as a child, particularly sexual trauma, there's a lot of shame that that you carry for a long time. And so working through that can be, so I guess I just did answer the question. Yeah. Do you feel any, uh, I did a a long podcast with my mom, Mm. maybe like a year and a half ago or so. Mm -hmm. As the first pod, the first and only podcast I've ever like very openly, like what's that called? Ugly cry, like ugly Mm. cry. And that's something that she had experienced at a younger age or some, some, some level of of, of abuse had transpired and we talk about in there. And one of the things that I maybe project on to her is kind of like this sensation of feeling like, you know, stop being the victim, like stop being the victim, mm. you know, and it's, and it's something that I, it might just be my own projection because my own insecurity of victimizing myself. Your own shame, your own shame. Because mm. sometimes when we, particularly a parental figure, right, we've, we, we, and, and they've had, they've experienced something that's in the world considered shameful. We take on that shame. Yeah, I can see that. And so what do we do with shame? We fight it, we project it, we avoid it, we judge it, you know? So what do you think the, what's the, what's the process? <laughs> Read the book. <laughs> yeah. um, well, well, facing into shame is a very gentle process and it's not something that I would recommend doing without therapeutic support, typically. Hmm. Um I would recommend internal family systems therapy for facing into shame because shame is a part. It's a part of us that needs to be faced into very gently and maturely and support with a lot of support because it's so impermissible and unbearable that it can take us out. We can dissociate. I would notice when I would touch into shame in my therapy, I would fall asleep. And I'm not even kidding, like narcolepsy, like fall asleep. Sure. I've had clients like that doing uh, body work. Oh yeah, I bet you see that. 
do you do you feel victimless in your present story of identity structure? Sorry, it's a lot of words. For, but do you feel like it's like is there any victim in there? In my story of my past? Of yourself. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, like mm, No, I don't I don't feel like a victim. No. Mm-mm. Super grateful. Grateful for all of it. Yeah. I don't feel like a victim in any way shape or form. What do you th- something I've heard you talk about previously in other other conversations such was it seemed it seemed listening to you the only ones I listened to were from you know the past obviously but like more than a year uh, but it seemed like there was a seeking of, of freedom but not a present state of freedom yeah good acknowledgement that is probably what's most new that's why the subtitle of happy days is the guided path from trauma to profound freedom and inner peace there's no fucking way I would write that book if I didn't live it I would never put that subtitle onto a cover of a book with my face on it unless I could stand behind it. Are there shortcuts? <laughs> no, but there's fun along the way. There's relief yeah. along the way. There's joy along the way. There's laughter along the way. It's you don't like you said earlier, you don't have to do the work and be miserable. You can be in the therapeutic work and also have a, a beautiful life. Yeah. That's something that I another thing that I I see again, could be my own projection, but with people in general, but the idea of wanting to be a thing outside of their present state, you know, and, or want to, you know, I want to be more freaking spiritual monk-like, or I want to be more wealthy, this, you know, whatever the thing is, I have myself, and then I have this projection of what I'd like to be. And I have a feeling that as long as we're running that operating system, there will always be distance. And so we can keep on, you know, pushing forward, but it's still the carrot sitting there because there's still this disbelief that I am that. Yeah. And so I wonder sometimes that with like the seeking of freedom or like, I'm a seeker, you know, it's just like, well. Well, seeking freedom to me just meant coming back to me, not becoming yeah. anything new. Yeah. So what does it feel to be free? It feels to be free of the pretenses, the false pretenses that I placed upon what happiness looked like. And returning to just being fucking happy with where I'm at and who I am and proud of everything I've been through and proud to live to tell. And even in the midst of still resolving shame, I can still be proud. And, you know, it's just, and I'm really living it. And as you said, you know, just listening to a podcast from a year ago, you'd hear me or two years ago, you would have heard me still seeking that, but I'm proud to say it's here. Well, thanks for, uh, making time to do this. I really want to do it in person because that's my, I think there's so much value in connecting with someone in IRL. I think there's something very th- therapeutic about it, you know, so yeah, I agree. at some point down the line, we can do something. Do you, do you come through the Austin, Texas? location that's probably typically not. typically but i haven't been on a plane in two years oh right this is your first plane experience all right cool yeah um well cool maybe at some point we can do something in person again because i'd love to to definitely continue the conversation that would, that would be excellent and so people should run out and grab happy days Where, where's the best place to to get the book you know, get it on Amazon, but I always recommend, please go to your local bookstores. They're suffering, they're struggling, they need support. Go to your local bookstore, go grab a copy of Happy Days. You could also go to deargabby.com slash happy days, giving away an awesome, I'm always giving away gifts and resources when I when people order the books, go get them there. And just get, get one for yourself and get one for a friend because we need it now. <laughs> cool. Yeah, and I'm, I'm on, presently we're launching a book 
as well. And uh, so I'll probably talk about it in the outro here saying, go, go grab the Align Method book. Uh, but I would say that Happy Days, I think would be an, a really excellent, I don't know, addendum or pairing, or it's very congruent and it goes deeper into the, some of the conversations that I would have liked to have gone to into Align Method had I had more space. Yeah. Um, so I think those, they'd be, be a good pair. So Happy Days. I can't um, wait to read your book. I dig it. Yeah, I'll send one out for you. But thank you so much for this conversation, making time to do it. Thank you, sweetheart. And well, yeah, thank you all for tuning in. That's it. That's all. Over now. Hope you guys dug that conversation. Once again, I want to thank C Glenn 12 for leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts. It just takes a second for y'all to leave reviews if you feel inspired to do so. You can really quickly just do it from your phone. Just scroll down in the app, press subscribe as well so you get our episodes each week and five stars if you think it deserves it. And it is a beautiful way to support this podcast because it helps the algorithmic gods know that people are listening to this thing and it helps share it around. So massive appreciation for y'all's support. If you want to tag myself or Gabby Burns, I'm over at Align Podcast on Instagram and Gabby is at Gabby Bernstein. Um, once again, I hope this has been supportive in your life. I hope you're implementing the information and if you feel inspired, thank you for telling your friends. Thanks for joining you. I'll see you next week. Bye.